Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. It is good to be up here. Like I said, it is good to be back in my warm swamp. Uh, But it's good to be up here this morning. We are uh, taking a break from our series in Hebrews this morning, not just because Pastor Matt's not here. This was planned. Uh, But we're taking a a small break. Uh, So let's pray first and then see what God has for us today. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word, and that is all we are concerned with this morning. Lord, not our opinions, not our ideas. We want to hear your truth this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a documentary that we've been watching in a a few of our small groups called uh, The American Gospel in Christ Alone. Now, the idea with this uh, documentary, if you're not uh, familiar with it, is it kind of deals with the Americanized Christianity idea which some is good and some of it is really not good. Uh, Particularly, it deals with what uh, uh, Mike was referring to before, the prosperity gospel, meaning that not only did Jesus come down and die for us so that we can uh, be forgiven of our sins and join him in heaven one day, he also died so that if we believe enough, and we we put our our faith in, in these ideas that God wants us to be healthy. He doesn't ever want us to be sick. God wants us to have plenty of money. He never wants us to go through any financial burdens. God wants us to be wise unto the world, and he wants wants us basically to have our best life now. It points out certain ministries that actually target people that are in need of miracles, People that, that, uh, that, that are so desperate and so, so um, needing a miracle in their life, they target them, and, they, and basically what they say is they, they'll offer, like if it's healing, they'll offer this person, hey, listen, if you just give enough money to my ministry and you have enough faith, your, your child's cancer will dissipate or your, your heart issue will go away. Or you'll be able to walk again even, even, even if you're crippled. While it, the saddest part about that is when these said miracles do not happen, the person is left to believe it was them that just didn't have enough faith. It's easy for many of us to see how this is not biblical, and these people are not of the Lord. But remember, people are, are in desperate need of a miracle sometimes. And didn't Jesus once say, or actually a couple times, you have been healed according to your faith, or according to your faith, you have been healed. And what about this faith that's a mustard seed size that can move mountains? Are those things real? Of course they are. But it's really about what we're placing our faith in. Church, I've seen miracles. I, I've seen people healed because uh, laying on of hands and, and, and people praying for people. I, I, I believe in those things, and they do still happen today. But what about people that claim specifically before it happens, um, you are going to be healed of this, and I'm claiming it in the name of the Lord, and then it doesn't happen? This actually can be very, very damaging 
One of the things that comes to mind is I had a really good friend that I grew up with. His name was Mike, and around the age of 13, his mom got cancer. This, his mom, she was awesome. She was just an incredible lady. She loved Jesus. Her, her faith was amazing. And he recounts this story, um, you know, a couple times. I remember him, him telling me that uh, these two nice little old church ladies in his church approached him and, and said, you know what, You're, because of your mom's faith and because of how much she loves the Lord, there is no way that he's going to allow her to die. This cancer will not take her. Two months later, she passed away. And he was left angry, frustrated, and confused about why God would allow his mom to die, even though she had great faith. So we know God heals Sometimes, and sometimes he doesn't. We, we know that for sure. And it's, it's hard to say why, but I could pretty much guarantee you it's not due to your lack of faith or the lack of your giving money. The issue is we don't see the whole story of God's plan. We are finite. He is infinite. So how could we possibly claim something is going to happen for sure? When we don't understand God's plans. Wouldn't that be like placing our faith in us? Placing our faith in our will and our ideas? Absolutely it is. I tell you, church, no, we should put our faith in Jesus, his will, and not our desired outcome. It's all about misplaced faith. And that's exactly why the title of today's sermon is Misplaced Faith. Now listen, I applaud the amount of faith that some people have. It, it is, it's astounding to me how just the amount of faith and, and, and just how much they believe something is going to happen. But let me tell you, church, it doesn't matter how much faith you have if it's placed in the wrong thing. Or even if it's used in the wrong way, even though you have great and, and good intentions for it. Let's get into our text this morning. We'll be in John uh, chapter 11, 20 through 44. Uh, let me set this up because um, I'm going to tell you what happens. And many of you know that this, this uh, section of, of Scripture, it's the raising of Lazarus. But uh, I'm going to set this up to, to get us where we're at in verse 20. So basically, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, gets really sick. Martha and Mary send word, please come quickly. Lazarus is sick. We don't know what's going to happen. Jesus gets word, and he just, because he's pretty far off, and, and he kind of just hangs out a couple of days. No one understands why. Then at some point, Jesus kind of tells the disciples, hey, listen, we're going to hang out a little bit more because Lazarus is dead. And they're like, what? Like, you know, after explaining things to them a few times because they're not exactly understanding what's about to happen, he basically says, but I'm going to go there and raise him from the dead. Then they end up heading that way, and uh, we pick up in our scripture, this is where Jesus is right outside Bethany, and Lazarus has been dead in his grave for four days. So obviously people are confused, they're frustrated, and they don't understand why God has not shown up. The verses will be up on the screen starting in verse 20, follow along as I read out loud. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. 
but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, please come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus says, take away the, the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet still bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. If we were going to take these 25 verses and we are going to condense them down into one main idea, we would get this. Our faith must be placed in the miracle worker, not our desired outcome. Our faith, if it's not going to be misplaced, it's going to be put in the right place, it must be in the actual miracle worker himself, not our desired outcome. Really, we have no idea what Jesus has planned for our lives, do we? I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know what's going to happen when I leave this building or if I'm going to even make it off this stage. I could drop dead right now. That would be an amazing sermon, wouldn't it? When we decide what God is going to do for us and we announce it like it's going to happen, a couple of things can happen. Number one, we could assume correctly, and God does something amazing, and we all celebrate. Or two, we can claim that God's going to do something very specific, and then it doesn't happen. When when this happens, 
it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing because we have now misspoken for God. We have made him look like he's either incapable of carrying out the miracle or that he just doesn't care. I don't know about you guys, but every time I get up here on stage or any time I'm speaking about God to anyone, I am terrified that I'm going to say something that misrepresents him. That should be all in the back of our minds. In this biblical account, Lazarus, of Lazarus, Martha and Mary had faith in Jesus. It's true. They knew he was the Christ. They had faith in him. But they put limits on what their knowledge was limited of what they knew about Jesus. And, and that's where they put the brakes on and said, nope, we know, we know Jesus blew it because we know what he's capable of, and he blew it. He didn't show up. Turns out they were wrong. And in this account, it ended up being way more amazing than they possibly ever could have imagined. Let's get into some of those verses and, and see why this statement is true. Going back to verses 20 through 23, it says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, you know, back in the beginning, remember Jesus was still out, out, outside the village? She went and met him, but Mary re- remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So Martha is the first one to go out and meet him, meet Jesus. But she starts with this statement. Jesus, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would still be alive. And then she kind of just throws this in at the end. But I know that even now you could ask God and he'll give you whatever that is. So she's making this statement like, listen, you've really missed the boat. You you missed your opportunity to heal my brother. But I I know there might be something you could do. I mean, you do know God. You have this personal connection to him. It seems... Like she feels like everything is lost, and, but maybe by some amazing thing, something can happen that she'll see her brother again. Her response is human. It's just like any one of us. It, it's wrought with the pain of just losing her brother, of seeing him buried, but almost a little worse because she knows that if Jesus would have been there, there's a great possibility he would still be alive. She was frustrated that her expectations of Jesus were not met. But she kind of throws this Hail Martha, because it wasn't Hail Mary yet, it was Hail Martha, putting the faith back in the Lord's hand, saying, there's got to be something you can do, something, somehow. It's probably where she should have started, Amen but she's human like the rest of us. Jesus answers her, your brother will rise again. Of course, she didn't really understand what what he was talking about. She goes into the next few verses, not on the screen, uh, talking about the resurrection of the dead on the last day, which is true. But it's funny how Jesus kind of redirects her in their conversation about who he is. So Jesus agrees that Lazarus will be resurrected on the last day, but he tries to explain that there is something he could still do now. And he's kind of letting her know, you will see my glory. But that she needs to focus on who he is because she doesn't really understand what's about to happen next. 
And that brings us to our first point this morning. When we cannot understand the why something has happened, we focus on the who God is. This is a very, very, very important um, thing that we need to, to just drive into our hearts this morning. You see, when we see things through such a limited scope, we can't possibly understand what God's plan is for us or any situation that people are going through. He sees the whole picture. He stands outside of space and time, and he sees it all at once. We just see this little tiny sliver of of human history, and we think that we have it all figured out, but we don't. In cases like this, you just have to remember who he is and that anything is possible, but we cannot demand that he do the impossible. As we get to our next block of verses 32 through 35, Mary confronts Jesus. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, kind of a little bit of the same, but even more intense. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. Jesus crying. Imagine that. So Mary, who's even worse off than than Martha, in total despair and pain, tells Jesus kind of the same thing. You missed the boat. Where were you? Why were you not here to save my brother? And in fact, it's so intense that Jesus can't even contain himself, and he weeps alongside her and those that were with her. His heart is just broken for her because how the deep despair that's on her face, and just how badly she's hurting, the the king of the universe is sitting there crying alongside her. Here's what's even more mind-blowing. He knows what he's about to do. He could have just said, ah, you guys are crying, don't worry about it. You're about to see something cool. But no, he takes that that moment to, to sympathize with her and to love on them and just to be with them in that moment to know, make them know that they are loved. He knew that in moments they were going to be celebrating and worshiping like they've never done before because he was about to take a guy that's been in a grave dead for four days and watch him walk out. But he takes this moment to love on them, and to sympathize with them because he is a God of love. What's even more cool, he could still do these amazing things when our faith is run out, when our faith is zero. Church, did you hear me this morning? When our faith is zero and our faith has run out, God can still do amazing things. Wait a minute, I thought like you, it can only be done if we name them and claim them specifically. That's what those, those false teachers want you to, to think. How did Jesus possibly accomplish this great miracle when Martha and Mary didn't specifically say, Jesus, we believe and we're claiming it in your name to raise Lazarus from the dead? He did it without their complete faith. 
It is true they had faith in Jesus, but they clearly did not believe that Jesus could raise their brother who's been dead for four days. So how did he do such an extraordinary thing? We look at our second point to find out. Miracles happen according to God's sovereign will, not our measure of faith. While it's true, we must place our faith in Jesus, and and without that faith, we don't even have a connection or relationship with him. It is not linked to our measure of faith, of how much we believe that the thing is possible. God's ability or willingness to do these things is not dependent on how much we believe they are going to happen. And praise God, because Martha and Mary would have never saw their brother walk out of that grave. Not like these false teachers have convinced so many that the outcome of the miracle relies on your faith or the amount of money you're going to give a ministry. How dare they? I don't know about you, but that makes me angry. And that's why we could say our main point. Our faith must be placed in the miracle worker, not our desired outcome. We do not have the whole picture. What might seem completely reasonable and loving to us might not be anywhere near what God has planned for his glory and the betterment of us. But Jesus still does the imaginable. As we finish out our verses, starting with verse 40, after, they, after Jesus commands that stone to be moved, he says this, Jesus said to her, talking to Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Think about that. He did that so they would know that this was God's will. God has sent him to do this. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands, still feet, uh, hands and feet still bound with linen strips, his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him, let him go. Jesus came to the tomb, commanded that stone to be rolled out of the way. And they were like, and, and, and right after that, they're kind of saying, but you know, he's been dead four days. There's this really bad odor in there. I don't, like, I don't understand, Jesus. You, first of all, you missed the boat. You didn't get here in time. And now you just want to open this grave with this dead, rotting guy in it? We don't, we don't get it. We don't understand what's going on here. And Jesus makes a point to, to pray out loud to the Father. And he's saying, Father, I'm, I'm saying this out loud so everybody would know who's really doing this. Who, where that power comes from, whose will it is to do this. He did it as an example to us that we need to know God, we need to know his will, and we need to learn how to pray according to his will. Jesus was there to carry out the will of the Father, not his. Now, Lazarus was his friend. Of course he wanted his friend to live. Of of, of course, you know, Jesus loved them. He proved that. But he was there to carry out the will of the Father. 
Now, the, the most amazing thing happened. You know, this dead guy, again, who was in that grave for four days, comes back to life. He walks out, and it was way better than any of them could have possibly imagined. So again, thank God it wasn't according to their faith. This brings us to our third and final point. When we submit everything to God's will, he allows us to be part of his amazing plan. It's not Pastor Jared's plan. It's not Pastor Matt's plan. It's not Pastor Steve's plan. It's, it's, it's God's plan. Whatever is going to happen, because we submit ourselves to him and his will, we get to be a part of that. It's all about us knowing God and submitting everything to his will. It's, it's only then that he could allow us to be part of what he already has planned. As I call Joe up as, as we close, I want us to, to focus on this, church. When, when we're going through something terrible, something that we, we don't want to go through, or we're watching somebody else who we love suffer, it's hard for us not to play God, Amen. We want to play God. We want to say, this seems like a good thing. Let's pray for this. But we must remember these three things that we learned this morning. The first one was this. We cannot, when we cannot understand the why something has happened, we focus on the who God is. I'll let you in on a little secret. We are not always going to get the answer to why while we're still on this planet. We don't know why some things happen. And it's so easy to just dismiss it and go, oh, it's just part of God's will. We, we don't know why everything happens. And, and that's very easy for me to say because I've never gone through something so ground-shaking that my whole world is destroyed and I'm looking for answers. But I can tell you that I've walked through these things a few times with people that I, I care deeply about. Faithful Christ followers who must face the most terrible situations. People that have lost teenage daughters out of the blue. People that have just, their whole world is just completely destroyed and they, they just don't understand why. But almost across the board as, as I've been able to walk through these things with them, there's one thing that always ends up coming through. And is, it's the fact that they focused on who God is. And that is what seems to have helped them through. Through unspeakable pain, they were able to utter words such as, it is well with my soul. And if you know the backstory to that old hymn, you know that that guy had no reason to rejoice. But he did it anyway because his focus was on who God is. Who is God? He is faithful. God is always faithful to us. Amen? God is all-powerful. He's all-loving. He is our all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving Father in heaven that cares about us deeply. We just don't understand why tragedy happens sometimes. But I, I can tell you that if you know God personally and you can try to understand according to His will... Some things happen, and sometimes things don't happen, and we're not always going to get the answer, but we can be comforted by the fact that he is going to walk alongside us through it. A lot with, with what Mike was saying this morning, and I don't even know he had any idea what I was preaching today. I love when that happens. 
God is going to walk through it with us because we are his children. Church, I I pray that you personally never have to go through something that's so world-shattering. But if you do, I pray that you can focus on the fact that the creator of the universe, the one that formed billions of stars that we can't even number by the words of his mouth, that he holds it all together. But he's not just some far-off distant God. He is our personal father who loves us who's willing to walk alongside us. Not only that, but he's willing to take, even though he knows what's going to happen, he sees the end. He, he's not wondering what's going to happen. He's not wringing his hands. He knows what's going to happen, but he still takes the time to weep alongside us as we're weeping. The second point, uh, point this morning, miracles happen according to God's sovereign will, not our desired outcome. And some people might even push back on this and be like, well, your God's puny. I mean, if you can't, you know, tap into that power of God and, 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 and see these things happen, your God is puny. No, first of all, there's not your God and my God, there's only God. But if you want to say that my God is the creator of all things, he sent his son to die for me on the cross so that I may be reconciled to him and spend eternity in heaven with him one day. And to me, that's enough. It's about faith. But yes, it's faith in Jesus. It's faith in his will and what he is going to do. If I get to walk around telling God what he's doing, then he's no longer God, I am. We Remember our third point. When we submit everything to God's will, he allows us to be a part of his amazing plan. It's so hard sometimes, church. I I get it. When we're going through something terrible, we want to take over. We want to take over the reins. We want to be in control. We we think, well, what would I do if this was my child? You know, what would I do? And we, 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 we put all these human emotions and ideas and these worldly things in front of the, the creator God in heaven. Believe me, folks, he knows what he's doing. But it's amazing how when we trust God, everything either seems to work out or we can start to see his plan unfolding as he helps us through the most terrible times because he's there to comfort us like a father. And that is why we could say this morning our main idea, our faith must be placed in the miracle worker, not our desired outcome. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we are just humans. We, we, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Lord, it's hard to know anything about your plan sometimes or to fully understand why terrible things seem to happen to such, such good people. Lord, help us to know you more. Help us to place our faith not in our situations or not what we want to happen, Lord, but in who you are. We pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.